Welcome to the Blue Earth Podcast, brought to you by the Connecticut Scuba Academy. My name is John Sherburn, and I'm your host for today, and yes, there's been a few changes to our intro. After a year of acting as producer for the show, I'm going to be taking over the mantle as host. This change comes alongside our pairing with a new nonprofit, the Connecticut Scuba Academy, who has also absorbed future frogmen. Today, we have Tom Montuori, the national director for the Academy, and Richard Hyman, former future frogman president and host for the show. How are we doing, guys? Good. How are you? Good to see you, John. Glad to have you guys on. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, it's. I, I was thinking, it's kind of funny with Richard. I have heard you as host for a while. I've you know done an episode or two myself, but I've never actually been on an interview with you. So I'm excited to have you here. And Tom, it's great to have you introduced to the audience today. Great. Glad to be here. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk to both of you guys about what you're doing currently, as well as some of these changes to Blue Earth and as well as Future Frogmen and beyond. I want to start with you, Tom. Um, so if you could talk to me about your background in diving and how CSA got started, um, that would be awesome. Sure. Uh, well, I, I started diving a long time ago, uh, 1991, I think. I took my first dive course. Um, been diving for a while. Became an instructor maybe 10 years ago and, and really grown from there. As far as the academy, it actually started as a different program altogether. Um, we were an aquatics program that was started in 2016 for a company named Institute of Professional Practice, which is now Aspire Living and Learning. Uh, it's a nonprofit human services and educational organization for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. The company had decided after, after operating for about six months or so that scuba probably wasn't a good fit as far as their insurance was concerned. So we kind of had already built a good team together when we stopped the scuba program and we've done some other programs with uh, the YMCA and Boy Scouts. And we found ourselves filling a niche kind of uh, that the retail scuba shops don't fill. Um, scuba, I don't, I don't know if you guys are aware, but it's a very expensive sport to get going in. Uh, the class alone could be five to $600 equipment. You're looking upwards of $1,000 to start diving. And a lot of kids just can't afford that. So we kind of decided to keep the organization together and we, and we filed for our 501c3 informed Connecticut Scuba Academy um, with a lot of support, believe it or not, from the local dive shop, New England Dive, which you wouldn't think would cooperate, you know, forming their competition. But I think uh, they had enough vision. It's a family run business and they had enough vision to realize that we're teaching people who normally wouldn't become divers. So these are going to be future customers for them. I mean, scuba is a very narrow world and, and you have a limited supply of customers. You know, not everyone scuba dives. So they really assist us a lot. It's uh, Paul and Pat, the parents, and then Jill and Greg, the uh, the kids that are running the program now, really assist us with equipment. They still donate equipment to us. I think all of our wetsuits came from them, but they're a big help. Um, kind of started with the sound school, with that program, and it's taken off from there. We started certifying, I think, our first year as Connecticut Scuba Academy was 2017. We certified 50 students. By 2018, we increased that by 100% and certified 100. Uh, 2019, another 100% over. We're actually 220 certifications. And then, of course, COVID hit. <laughs> um, but before that, we'd done a, we did a trip to Florida. We have a counterpart down in Florida that works at Connecticut Scuba Academy. We did a trip to Bonaire, actually with New England Dive. We joined their trip with 10 students and uh, started studying 
the reefs and the effects of the cruise ships and Bonaire on the reefs. So the program's really taken off and it's, it's picking up right where it left off. Actually, we we're back on what sounds cool. We're going to hopefully start diving in a few weeks and uh, we're going to continue on. That's great. I was going to ask about, you know, this, I obviously last year was kind of a bust. Uh, it's, are you have? Is there going to be any changes to how it runs this year, or are you guys pretty much trying to get back to normal by the summer, given you know some of the vaccination statuses and stuff like that? Well, there's been quite a few changes. Um, some of them good actually. Have we've kind of always been a reactionary as as we're growing. We've never had any any foresight or or plan really. We've just been mm-hmm. reacting to whoever needs what. Sure. Having a slow year and a slow year, I have to say, we still certified eighty nine. Uh, individuals we we do it's great yeah we, we do public safety and they you know public safety diving doesn't really stop so we're able to train them but we're able to kind of make a plan which we never had before uh, which is going to help us expand into other areas other schools and uh, one of the things we're trying to look at is, is how to do better with our outreach and, and reaching other schools and then and, and making the program more inclusive for people who don't want to scuba dive so it, it slowed us down. It's definitely backed us up financially and put us maybe two years behind schedule, but it's looking like we're going to pick right up where we left off and probably even move a little faster. That's great. Um, I want to talk about for a second here more. You, you spoke on, you guys have a couple different types of diving as you science diving, public safety diving, you know, uh, recreational diving. I want to, before I get into introducing Richard to the call a little bit here, I want to ask about the different, Types of diving, how they work, what what different you know, sure baskets you guys have your hands in. Recreational diver is just like it sounds. That that just be uh, we do that more for the Boy Scouts or for the YMCA's. Anyone just wanting to dive to go look at the fish, just for the fun of it, recreation. If I were to go dive, yeah. exactly. If you just want to go <laughs> yes. dive, we teach you how to dive. We go out and we just have some fun. Uh, public safety is just that. We we teach ERDI, which is Emergency Response Diving International. Um, Public safety, we kind of got into because of the lack of training around it. It's very hard to get individuals to come to Connecticut and train our public safety divers. And um, again, it's a financial thing too, where us being a nonprofit and run by all volunteers, we can make it affordable for them. That's really taken off in the last year. Uh, we have probably a majority of the, a lot of the larger teams in Connecticut we're working with right now, and it's growing every week. We seem to get more on board. Um, the educational end of things, that's our scientific diving program. That's probably our largest program, uh, the one we really want to expand on. Uh, started with Silent School and their, their Live in Shoreline project where they're actually making artificial reef and seeding it with oysters and, and running a program right in the New Haven Harbor. That's probably one of our fastest growing programs and, and the one we really want to expand on. Uh, we've actually applied for AAUS uh, organizational membership which will help us along and really produce scientific divers of, of, a, of a much higher quality. What is that? What does that membership like entail? What would be the differences there? AUS, the American Academy of the World of Science has its own standards, which they follow. The standards are a lot higher than like the OSHA standards. So they're kind of excluded from OSHA because they follow these standards. Getting in with them, I think it's a, it's a world recognized certification when you're an AAUS diver, you're a scientific diver. Um, you don't have to be an AAUS certified diver to be a scientific diver, but for reciprocity, it allows an easier transfer from one university to another or one organization to another to work together. 
um, everyone's certified to the same level, basically, I think is the easiest way to explain. Yeah, that makes total sense. There's yeah. a, a, a quality and, and skill. You don't have to worry about anyone, you know, not being at the same caliber that you are when you're in the water, which is, I'm sure, very important. Exactly. And that's kind of the same thing with public safety diving and ERDI. Everyone being trained to the same standards means a team from one town can travel to another and work seamlessly. Everyone knows what's going on and what's happening. Uh, and even open water certification, you know, even for recreational, when everyone gets on the boat, everyone kind of knows what's going on. Everyone's been trained to a certain level, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> ideally, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. Well, uh, Richard, how are we doing? Uh, hanging in there? Uh, doing great. Perfect. I want to talk to you a bit. Uh, as uh, most of our listeners, I'm sure, know, Richard was the host of Blue Earth for the first 30 or so episodes. We've worked together closely for pretty much the entirety of this project. Um, so I want you to talk to the audience about what you've been doing since you stepped down as host. Um, I know you've worked uh, as a professor and things. I'd love to hear about some of those projects that you've been doing. Yeah. Um, if I may, John, I just want to uh, say how happy I am to have met Tom, uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Captain Dennis of Squalish Marine, introduced us. Uh, I think uh, it's going to be a great, great home for uh, the work that we started. And uh, uh, I really like uh, what Tom does with his organization. So uh, really, really pleased that this is uh, developed so nicely. And uh, per your question, uh, a lot of what I'm doing now uh, still revolves around the environment, particularly the marine environment. And uh, I'm currently a professor at uh, Fairfield University in Connecticut, Fairfield, Connecticut, and uh, really enjoying uh, uh, working with the students there. Uh, that's keeping me real busy. And uh, we're covering, uh, I'm, I'm teaching environmental ethics. So we're talking about uh, a lot of the different environmental issues that we're faced with around the world today. And uh, we're actually uh, hosting, the students are hosting uh, some really interesting guest speakers every week. So uh, we're, we're enjoying some great presentations and some uh, great class discussion with these, uh, these experts on a variety of topics that include marine, but go beyond marine. Also uh, very involved right now, we're, we're gearing up for April 14th. There's a, uh, uh, an event uh, happening this year. It'll be virtual, uh, but it's a uh, called Ocean Climate Action. And it's a day in which uh, we'll be virtually meeting with Congress people in Washington, D.C. and talking about a uh, some specific uh, topics that are rela related to the Ocean-Based Climate Solutions Act that is before Congress right now. So we did in 2017, we did this on the ground in D.C. And, uh, of course, uh, coming out of the COVID environment here, we're, we're, uh, we're still going to stay remote and do this virtually. But people from around the United States uh, uh, will be participating. And uh, I'm co-leading our Connecticut delegation. And we have uh, a number of volunteers in the state of Connecticut who will be meeting with our Congress people on uh, April 14th. That's all. Is that something that like uh, an average person could hear at any point, whether it's live or after the fact, or is that kind of a closed office thing? Uh, it's a good question. I don't know if it'll be recorded, but to your point, John, uh, people are, it's not too late to get involved. It's not too late to uh, at least uh, join that day and sit in on the Zoom to hear it live. Uh, I would love to do yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it, 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 it's an incredible 
experience uh, to walk the halls of Congress uh, for, for people of all ages. It was amazing in 2017. And even doing it remotely, I'm sure will be quite uh, educational and, and uh, a real, uh, it's a right that we have as, as Americans. Uh, and the Congress people welcome hearing from us uh, on, you know, on all kinds of topics, but uh, uh, it's not an imposition on them. They, they want to hear from people. So yes, uh, if people want to reach out to me, uh, uh, they could do so and I can uh, get them plugged in for the state of Connecticut or other states. Yeah, we'll put some stuff in the description of this episode, a link or maybe something like that to, to point people in the right direction. That sounds absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah, that's that's great little piece that I didn't expect to get today. So that's awesome. Um, in terms of the class stuff you've been doing with with either your students, talk to me about some of the more important uh, ethics topics you've discussed. Uh, this kind of stuff's huge in college right now. Marine scientists are really moving towards uh, ethics and applied biology, and because I think it's become very very aware to everybody that there needs to be some changes. And I think um, it starts in the classroom. So can you talk a little bit about some of the stuff you've been teaching them there and the stuff you've been discussing just, just for a minute or two? Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's funny, John, cause uh, uh, I'm not a trained ethicist, uh, but uh, I have a relationship with the center for applied ethics at Fairfield U for about three years now. Uh, after giving a, uh, a lecture there, they invited me into that volunteer position. And then uh uh, last fall, they asked me if I'd like to teach this course. And uh, I've, I've wondered, okay, now that ethics is more on my radar, is it just me? Or is it really becoming more part of the mainstream conversation? And to your point, uh, probably particularly with, with the young people, college age and around that age, uh, uh, high schoolers, uh, it, it seems to be becoming more part of the day-to-day -day conversation. And uh, a lot of we go we have a wonderful textbook and we go into a lot of detail but a lot of it revolves around value you know intrinsic and non-intrinsic value of uh, the world of the natural world and then how um, some people uh, look at it uh, in a what's called anthropocentric way where it's human human basically domination and all that matters is what's best for humans and then there's a non-anthropocentric where, where other people value the natural world. And that includes uh, creatures as well as uh, plants and, and uh, associated habitats. So we talk about that. Um, we, we've, uh, we, we've looked at film. We looked uh, in, in detail at, for example, The Cove, the, the documentary The Cove about Taiji, Japan, where uh, dolphins are slaughtered every year. And we actually had the director uh, of that uh, wonderful documentary, join us. Last night, we talked about uh, climate change and mitigation attempts uh, with Dr. Brian Helmuth, uh, who was a wonderful guest. And uh, just one other point that's really interesting. I, I think a lot of these things are intersecting because we had a few weeks ago, we had a wonderful uh, uh, woman who I know, uh, a Native American woman from the Blackfoot, Blackfeet tribe, uh, uh, Suta Calling Last, and then this morning, even in a conversation I had with uh, a couple of uh, young uh, PhD students, uh, we discovered uh, that uh, uh, they have an interest in learning more about the, uh, the, the tribal nations and uh, how they relate to some of the species that they're studying, whether it be in Sh uh, Shinnecock, uh, Long Island, or uh, off the West Coast. 
with, with the Dungeness crab. So uh, um, those are a few of the topics, John. Yeah, that's great. Some of the, some of those people are guests or future guests for uh, Blue Earth. That's exciting crossover. I'll say uh, uh, I don't know if this if this isn't on the reading list or watching list for your class. A lot of that sounds like uh, Ishmael, the book Ishmael. Um, if you're aware of it, it's pretty much about all those concepts of like giver and taker societies and, and how humans interact with the greater world. That's something I'd recommend uh, looking into because that book sounds ex- literally to be what your class is about. Um, but that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing some of that. And uh, uh, Tom, I want to move back into, I guess we're going to get into the main, the main section here about some of the changes that are happening with future frogman and blue earth. Uh, before we get into our show here specifically, uh, if you could talk to me for a minute about, your plans for future Frogman, who are our former parent company now now uh, operating alongside of us uh, under your umbrella. So um, whether it's things that you know are down the pipe or things you'd like to um, potentially see in the future, what what's the future of, of future Frogman looking like? I, I think what I know is, is we don't want to change much right away. We, we want to keep it as the outreach it is. Um, I think what they've been doing is great. What we've been doing is great, I guess I should say now. Um, but Connecticut Scuba Academy, we're, we're an educational organization, so we're a little more hands-on. So I kind of want to bring future frogmen into more of a hands-on educational uh, approach. Still doing the blog, still doing the um, the writing, the videos, and the cartoons. I think they're great. But I, I'd also like to, and it, it's kind of funny, it's, it's like I said, the slow year we've been working on trying to figure out a way to be more inclusive with other schools and kind of outreach, but having a name like Connecticut scuba Academy kind of narrows it down. When you approach people, it's like, well, we, we really don't want to dive or learn how to dive. I think future frogman, it's a little more friendly. What I'd like to see it turn into is an educational outreach program where we can develop a curriculum for the schools to use our platform and have them study, even just walking around ponds or it doesn't, you know, lakes, streams, or if they want to follow our progress on what we're studying, be it the artificial reef in New Haven Harbor, or we plan on starting a couple of archaeological expeditions this summer on local lakes. We can, I think one of the things that has occurred in 2020 is our ability to operate remotely. So I think through videos and through podcasts and and through Zoom meetings like this, we can really have all the schools kind of pull together and work together as, as one studying and kind of pulling together our resources. Uh, so that's where I'd like to see future frogmen lead to it's, it's, I don't want to call it a club. I don't know if that's the right word, but I guess it is kind of have the schools join this club known as future frogmen and kind of work on programs and projects together. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it, it's nice. Cause it's, it's a, it's not, it's not a non-localized club and that might even help because you'll get people in different areas with different ecosystems communicating and, and learning through each other, which I think is a huge benefit of unfortunate situation with COVID, but a big benefit is it allows us to do stuff like this that, I mean, how likely would this have been in 2019, you know? Probably not likely at all. Um, exactly. And it, globally would be, I mean, that's the perfect, I think it's it's possible. And I mean, I'd love to know what's happening in other, other parts of the world. Um, Again, even our Bonaire program, which we will probably pick up again in 2022, that's something we could watch and follow and, and just reach out. And I, I think it's a, a program that would really take off with the right people behind it. 
And I think, yeah, that's wonderful. I think uh, Future Frogman has those people. I think they're there. Sure. Yeah, well, that's and the, the nice thing is that the base is definitely there. It's people that know how to work together already. It's already kind of been established, so it makes it a little easier. Uh, and and I, I think the from my knowledge of both programs, they're linked enough where it's not going to be too difficult. I'd, I'd like to ask about um, your thoughts on the future of Blue Earth. We've talked off Mike about maintaining kind of autonomy, but uh, I'm curious to see what you'd like for me to explore uh, and some of the changes or, or growths that we could we could work on together with each other. I think the path around has been great. I think think uh, the subject should be cover and have to be covered and should continue to be covered. I'd like to expand into maybe some science of diving, uh, introduce your, your, your um, audience to the world of diving and not just scuba diving, but I mean, we have some really good research and deep exploration going on uh, cave diving. There's a lot of exploration going on there. So I think, I think kind of stick with what you're doing, just maybe expand it a little more beyond just, um, environmental issues let's get into some science and nuts and bolts of diving uh i i always think and i think it's kind of what kinetic scuba is about the best way to look at what's going on with your environment is to get into it and that, that's what we're trying to do with the students where we're taking them in the water you can see the damage the plastic's doing you can see what's happening to the reefs so i i think that's where i'd like to see blue earth move to is maybe include or not move to but include more of the actual science and engineering of diving. Yeah. I'm excited for that as, as well. Because I, I love talking about climate issues. I love talking about uh, honestly, social issues. Uh, and it's interesting to me and intriguing, but at the same time, most average people can't really do much. You know, you can get kind con- you can't, you can get kind of involved, but at most it's, it's more about changing most people's opinions. And the way to do that is to introduce them to the world to excuse my pun, but to get their feet wet in, into the world of water that we spend most of our days not really seeing or seeing a pure sanitized version coming out of our tap. So I'm also very excited to talk to more explorers, divers, people that exist uh, underwater. Really, you know. Um, so yeah, that that's interesting because I probably have ten to twelve just divers, not students. People have been diving for years, interested in becoming citizen science with Connecticut mm-hmm. scuba Academy going out and working on some of these projects with the kids. Um, because Connecticut it's, I enjoy diving in Connecticut. Not everyone does. They kind of need a reason to get in the water. Sure. And this gives them that reason. They said they, they love to know more and to do more and to uh, try and make a difference and change. So I, I think when the opportunity is there, I think people take advantage of it. Yeah, there's a lot of change everyone can do locally with everything from cleanup initiatives to just petitioning and, and talking to you know local you know people in government, senators, and things like that. So I think that what you're doing, what you guys do, is is a wonderful mix of things. Everything from teaching young people to love the water all the way up to trying to make actual change in your environment. So I I am obviously very you know pro pro the the mission statement with you guys. Oh, with, with Future Frogman and Blue Earth, I, th- I think the niche you really fill for Connecticut Scuba Academy is, is that's what we lack at. We don't have the outreach. We barely maintain a Facebook page <laughs> because we're diving. We're either yes. teaching or we're diving. So that's always second thoughts like, ah, I can't tell you how many events we finished. And it's like, anyone take any pictures? Nope. Nope. Everyone forgot to take a picture and, and we miss all these opportunities where I, I think you guys will definitely fill that niche for us mm-hmm. and kind of put out there what we're doing and what's what we're working on. 
Yes, so I, I think it'll be a good, a good, a good mixture of things. Um, I want to move back to Richard for a minute and, and kind of ask you the same questions, but just your opinions. Um, obviously, you're excited for the shakeup, uh, and it's going to be really great to be affiliated with somebody else. Um, talk to me about how you're excited for the future of Blue Earth and future Frogmen. What kind of stuff you'd like to see, and you know what what you're excited for in terms of what we're doing here. Hmm. That's a good question. John, and a bit of a tough one. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, when I started Future Frogmen, it, it kind of grew organically, uh, born out of mentoring uh, a, uh, a high schooler. And then it, it, I was asked to mentor uh, a college student. And it just it just kind of morphed and grew and became something uh, more real. We, we became an actual nonprofit and built out a, a, a really robust team. And uh, I'm really proud of what we did. And I, I had very grand plans uh, to do a lot uh, over the coming years and uh, continue growth and so forth. And just the way things happen um, and other opportunities that uh, developed, uh, I felt it was time to make a change. And uh, I went I went to... Uh, uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, to pick up a scuba tank from uh, my friend Captain Dennis, and uh, I, I told him uh, what was going on, and uh, he he uh, he got back to me. He mentioned Tom, and we connected, and Tom and I hit it off, and just we we shook hands virtually and decided, hey, let's go forward with this. It looked it looked like a good a good pairing, uh, complemented with Tom was trying to do, and and I, I th- thought it was a, a good home for future frogmen to. Uh, continue to grow. Um, so for the future, I think, uh, I think it's in good hands. I think, uh, it, uh, it's going to be, uh, it's, it's kind of cool because Tom's working, although Tom's working in, in other locations as well, to some extent, you know, he's, he's, his mission is, is, it seems to be relatively focused on Connecticut, which is great for some hands-on, uh, uh, continued teaching, and Tom can correct me if I misrepresented that. But I, I, I like Tom's culture too. He, he, he the uh, Connecticut Scuba Academy is inclusive, and uh, they're working with a, a lot of different people. So that was also always from day one a very important uh, cultural aspect of Future Frogmen, the inclusivity. In fact, I I kind of always assumed that. But uh, the students, this was several years ago, said, "No, Richard, we need to say that." And that was educational to me that we need to we need to say that um, in today's world, it was important to the young people. So we did say that on, on the website and we tried to reiterate that uh, in, in on numerous occasions. But I think just uh, uh, I think it, it, it needs to grow naturally the way that uh, that Tom and his uh, his team uh, want to grow it. You know, it. it there's no restrictions. Um, I think getting in the water and, and seeing things for real is an eye opener. And, and uh, that Tom is right. That's when you, until you see below the surface of the water, you don't have a full appreciation for the beauty and wonder, and sometimes, unfortunately, the damage. Uh, and, and that's when people's eyes open. They can they can take action in one way or another. Um, and, I, and I do like the fact that, uh, although I, I fully expect future frogmen to change in some ways, and, and, and that's, that's fine. Uh, 
Tom and the, and the team, and I'll, I'll be on Tom's uh, uh, board of advisors so I can, I can weigh in and uh, put my two cents in from time to time. But uh, uh, the, the, the cool thing is with a multidisciplinary approach, uh, it allows people that are not divers, they may want to become divers, um, hopefully, but uh, if they don't, there's still a way for them to participate, whether it's photography or, or video or the podcast or writing or uh, outreach into the community and so on. Uh, that's kind of something that we, we tried to uh, design in. And, uh, you know, and I'm also excited that Tom wants to do more with high schools uh, than we had the opportunity to do. We, we got our initial traction at the college level, undergraduate and graduate and even postgraduate. And only recently have we uh, been able to uh, get more traction in the high school market. And I think Tom has a leg up on that. And the sound school is an amazing school that, that uh, uh, Tom's aligned with. So uh, that alone offers a lot of promise and then uh, additional high schools. So I think I think it's in great hands and uh, it's got a bright future. Yeah, that's wonderful. I uh, uh, on the Blue Earth end, this is obviously this is our baby, mine and yours. Um, we built this yeah. up a year ago, and there's been a lot of change in the last year. You know, a few different hosts and some, and some shaking and rattling. Uh, and as I'm kind of getting started here, and I'm starting to do my first few episodes, I'm really excited. And I'm curious what. Um, words you have for for not only me but just for for what you would what you'd like to see from the show in terms of whether it's change or, or studying the course or whatever it is. Um, yeah, well, first of all, I think it, it's uh, in good hands with you as well. Uh, you, you, you taught me everything I know about podcasts, and uh, you, you're uh, a, a smart uh, young man with a, with a strong voice, and uh, it, so I, I'm I'm happy about that for for Blue Earth. Um, yeah, I think uh, uh, to Tom's point, uh, more guests talking about uh, their experiences in the water will be um, uh, interesting to our audience. And and I will remind uh, us all, though, that we do have some in the archive. We have some great actual divers. We have uh, Jill Heinerth, the cave diver, uh, video and audio, and... Uh, uh, Ellen Coilarts as well, um, who's a, a wonderful underwater photographer, to name a couple. And, and by the way, uh, uh, Richie Kohler from uh, Shadow Divers fame and, and Captain Dennis uh, on his website has John Chatterton. Uh, so perhaps at some point you can get John Chatterton to be a guest as well because they they work be great. Yeah, they work together on uh, a wonderful uh, true story of. Uh, discovery of a German U-boat off the coast of New Jersey in, in the book, The Shadow Shadow Divers is the name of the book. But um, yeah, I think uh, just keep doing what you're doing. You you know what to do. And uh, uh, I, I have no doubt you'll continue to have wonderful guests and uh, the audience will continue to grow. Well, thank you for the words. Um, we're, we're definitely we're around the corner here on a couple different things. Um, I, I want to talk before we start to, you know, close out the episode, I want to talk to Tom quickly about some of the partners that you guys are affiliated with at CSA, um, both just so that we can know more about who you work alongside, but also potential people from different talent pools that I might be able to to, to interview. Um, who, what different, whether it's other nonprofits or businesses, are you guys affiliated with that you want to talk about today? Um. Oh, we have a number. I'm actually <laughs> going to pull up the website. Yes. I don't want to forget anyone. <laughs> Obviously, we have New England Dive Center. 
um, one of our biggest as supporters as far as a retail shop. We have Seagoin Solutions in Florida, who is, he's actually a, a, one of our board members, helped me start off Connecticut Scuba Academy. Uh, he works for a nonprofit down there and runs dive programs. We go down there, visit him pretty frequently. We're Rivers Council for Connecticut Boy Scouts. We use their lake and their their uh, camp, Camp Workman up in West Hartford. Uh, we do a lot of our diving there. Uh, we're partnered with them. We run programs for them. West Marine, of course, has, has donated some money to us through grants. Uh, we've done work, obviously, with Sound School. I don't know if I've mentioned them a few times. Uh, University of New Haven, we teach one of their private clubs, Scuba, and we're hoping to expand on that. Um, did I say Meriden YMCA? We've run a lot of programs with them, and we're actually going to be doing, we do a, a few different things. We run run some diving with their camp, their summer camp, and we've done some programs in their pool. We've even done a couple of years in a row. We're hoping to do it again this year as a pumpkin carving nice. inside their indoor pool. Oh, that's fun. Which takes quite a bit of cleaning <laughs> yeah, afterwards, but yeah, they seem to love that. Uh, of course, Squalus Marina helps us out quite a bit. And we train for a number of different organizations, Divers Alert Network, uh, Scuba Diving International, STAI, uh, Technical Diving International, TDI, and I mentioned ERDI earlier. We're also um, Aspire Living Learn, the company I work for who helped us get started. We actually still run programs for them, only no longer diving, but we do aquatic programs. And when we're talking about being inclusive, um, I got to say one of the most amazing things are, I mean, we've had blind people uh, people in wheelchairs, when you get them in the water and every, and you're diving, it's the great equalizer. There's everyone's the same. Everyone's dressed the same. Everyone looks the same and everyone moves the same. You can't tell one person from the other. So really when you get people in the water, it, it truly does make everyone equal. Um, that's a wonderful note. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess that's probably it. Yeah, no, that's great. I just wanted to, you know, have some of those words get floated out there uh, in case anyone happens to be associated with any of them or knows any of them. I wanted to just kind of give some relevance there. And I want to end um, with you guys before I kind of close out. I want to end on a, a positive note. What are each of you guys' favorite like individual experiences with the ocean? When was the moment you fell in love or reaffirmed your love for you know the expansive waterways that we have, uh, not only in this country but in the world? Well, I. I probably started, believe it or not, it was watching Jacques Cousteau with my father. Uh, watching those episodes really got me interested in diving. But I, I think the thing that I remember the most, I'd have to say that was awe-inspiring, was a trip to Truck Lagoon only two years ago. And Truck Lagoon is a, a lagoon uh, southeast of Guam where a number of Japanese ships were sunk during World War II. Um, swimming over one wreck. And you're kind of, you had 100, 150 foot visibility. So you're probably 60 feet above the wreck, 60 feet below the ocean and just being in the middle of nothing and having the expanse of the wreck underneath you. And my dive buddies are behind me. I, I think that feeling of peace and just tranquility. Yeah, John, uh, a couple of things come to mind. Uh, I think I, I'm, I was drawn to the water when I was probably an infant, <laughs> but as a, as a, a little boy uh, here in Connecticut on Long Island Sound, just going to the beach every day and, and getting in that water. And, and then uh, I could go on and on with, on that topic uh, of, of the water. But uh, my, my grandfather was a sea captain. So that 
reinforced it as I grew up. And then uh, uh, Jacques Cousteau, uh, working aboard Calypso as a diver for Cousteau. Uh, uh, I worked my way up to that position, uh, starting it uh, as a deckhand. But, uh, you know, it was a life-changing experience. And it, it, it just reinforced and one particular memory, like I, I, when Tom talks about, uh, I've never been to Truck Lagoon, but I can I can visualize what Tom just described and would echo just getting in the water as a, as a scuba diver. You, uh, so I, I almost felt like I was there when you described that, Tom. One of, one of my favorite stories was, uh, coincidentally enough, it was my last morning on Calypso uh, off the coast of Venezuela, and I was on watch. Uh, we were at anchor, so there's only one person on watch. And uh, there was a mother and a baby whale coming by. And I did something you're not supposed to do, but I, I basically abandoned my watch. And I got Patrick, my my buddy Patrick. Uh, I woke him up and I said, Patrick, we got to go in. And we we, uh, <clears throat> we went in the water and uh, dove with that mother and baby as they passed by. So, and that was one of the one of my lifetime goals. I always wanted to dive in the wild with with a whale. So uh, that uh, that was a very impactful uh, way to actually end my my career with Cousteau. That's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, you guys both obviously have a passion for this stuff, and it's uh, notable in some of your experiences. So, thank you. I wanted to end there because I knew you guys would have some good stuff to say. So I'm glad that you both did. Um, before we finish the show fully here, I want to just talk for a moment about the future of the podcast on my end. Um, first off, our longtime editor, Will Paulson, is stepping up as our technical producer and taking over uh, pretty much the entire post-production process. So I want to say a big thank you to him um, for you know kind of filling my shoes as I step into this position. Um, and as well, Alicia Connolly has joined the team as social media management. Uh, and we're going to start off with our Twitter feed, which will be linked at the end, but it's Blue Earth Podcast, Blue Earth Pod. Um, and you can find us hopefully populating the f- page with information on guests, their work, show updates. Um, I was just in this call. I-, I think I might try to get involved with that April 14th um, Zoom and live tweet it, stuff like that. So we're going to try to uh, keep a good flow of information coming in as the show goes underway. Um, in terms of my own place in this, I am going to be approaching hosting a little differently. Uh, I am not a scientist. I am not uh, deeply involved in the water in any really capacity. I'm a journalist and a, a media producer. And so I'm going to be coming at it as a layman more than some previous hosts. But I am excited for the potential to bring um, kind of a non-biased look uh, you know, and allow the experts to be the main voice of the show and focus on asking engaging questions and follow-up questions. And I'm excited for you know, this show in the future. I'm excited for future Frogman's. Um, future and I'm I'm very much excited to work with CSA uh, alongside you guys. So I want to thank both of you for coming on today. Richard was awesome actually being you know uh, mic'd up together here for the first time. And Tom, great to have you. Um, so if you guys want to plug any websites, social media, uh, any projects, anything like that, feel free to do so now. Um, and other than that, we will close it. Well, all, all our information is on ConnecticutScubaAcademy.org. So go ahead and visit us and. Uh- let me know if you want to learn how to dive. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Richard, anything you want to plug? I'll just remind the viewers uh, associated with uh, Connecticut Scuba is now futurefrogmen.org. So uh, check out that website as well. And uh, I'm sure uh, Connecticut Scuba and Tom would uh, appreciate you uh, checking those out. And any support you can throw their way would be great. But uh, we 
we always appreciate uh, our audience. So thanks so much and, and great job, John. Yep. Thank you. Thank you guys for coming on today. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Blue Earth Podcast. If you like what you saw, you can find us on Twitter at Blue Earth Podcast or Blue Earth Pod. You can always reach out to us in our email basket at blueearthpod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, someone you want to have us have on, contact link, anything like that. Um, And we post every single week. So until next week, I want to say thank you as always for listening. And remember that anyone can get involved and everybody has an obligation to do right by not only our oceans, but our world. Thank you.